Chapter Four, Part One of Our Search for a Wilderness by Mary Blair Beebe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Georgetown. Another year has slipped past, and again we are southward bound toward that Mecca, the tropics, which never ceases to call us. The time is the 15th of February, 1909. The place, the Royal Dutch Mail Steamship, Copenhagen. Nine days out from New York, at three o'clock in the morning, we are roused suddenly from sleep by a gentle roaring in our ears. When we have gained partial consciousness, we realize that it is the basso profundo whisper of good Captain Hosnoot summoning us to the bridge we ask no questions for we have learned that the voice of the genial dutchman means something worth while whether it is raised in a thunderous roar of hofmeister or as now in gentler aspects wrapped in flapping blankets we climb the steep ladder to the bridge there to enjoy for half an hour a most wondrous display of phosphorescence even excelling that visible in the bay of fundy the captain in all his world-wide seafaring has never seen anything to equal it we are only a short distance off the shore of british guiana and the ocean is thick with sediment from the rivers the sky is overcast and no light comes from the moon and stars and yet the whole sea is plainly visible the horizon glows with a dull yellow flare against the jet-black sky, and the myriad foam-caps shimmer as with brighter flames. The quenching of these in the opaque water gives a vivid impression of an enormous conflagration half-hidden behind billows of smoke. At daybreak, Georgetown is in sight, a low, flat line of wharfs with a background of galvanized tin roofs and tall bending palm trees never was a fairyland set in so prosaic a frame with what mingled feelings our little ship's family lean on the rail and scan the shore to some the thought comes of the miracles of yellow gold and precious stones hidden deep beneath the primitive forests to other sea-weary travelers the stability of the shore appeals most while we too watch for the first hint of bird life our desire is gratified before that of any of the others for over the water there comes the first morning call of the great yellow tyrant kiskadee bringing a hundred memories of the tropics as we steam slowly up to the wharf a small flock of gray-breasted martins twitters above our heads a black vulture swings over the tin roofs the jubilant song of the Guiana house wren reaches our ear, and our second search has begun. To those who seek for wildernesses, there is not much of interest in Georgetown, save the museum and the botanical garden. Yet there is no doubt that the city is one of the most attractive in the tropics, and when the inhabitants are aroused, to a sense of the opportunities which they are throwing away it will become a famous tourist resort awakening the country to new life 
and bringing shekels to the coffers of its merchants hotels and mosquitoes are the two keys to the situation the one to be acquired the other banished when this is done the many popular winter resorts will be hard put to it to retain their lucrative migrants from the north the inhabitants of georgetown have one regrettable failing an unreasoning fear and dread of their own country they cling to their narrow strip of coastal territory where they work and play live and die many of them without ever having been five miles away from the sea the majority of the inhabitants of french guiana are convicts chained for life to their prisons here the good people of british guiana bind themselves with imaginary bonds and picture their wonderful land as teeming with serpents and heaven knows what other terrors another unfortunate failing is the firm conviction of some of the influential citizens that there is no truth in the mosquito theory as a cause of malaria and yellow fever a distinguished english scientist recently sent to investigate yellow fever in barbados and british guiana was holding up as an example to the citizens of georgetown the barbadian custom of keeping fishes in their water cisterns explaining that the fishes devoured the mosquito larvae and thus kept down the number of mosquitoes a barbadian who chanced to be in the audience interrupted the scientist by saying oh but that is not the reason they put fishes in the cisterns it is to make sure the water has not been poisoned by some enemy until the mosquito is exterminated in georgetown the tourist will prefer to go elsewhere even though that be to a less beautiful spot we were advised to spend all our time in georgetown where we might drink pink swizzles than which no worse medicine exists or read in the cool library or study the natural history of the country impaled on pins or stuffed with cotton both of which are improving occupations but can be done quite as well in new york every moment spent in streets of human making seemed sacrilege when the real wilderness the wilderness of waterton of schaumburg and of off im thurn beckoned us just beyond armed with proper letters of introduction and traveling in the name of science one is treated with all courtesy by guiana officials the customs gave no trouble save that one pays a deposit of twelve per cent on cameras guns and cartridges we were glad to find that the most difficult privilege to obtain is a permit to collect birds and the very stringent laws in this respect are an honor to the governor and his colonial officials thanks to the absence of the plume and general millinery hunter the game hog and the wholesale collector birds are abundant and tame we were in the colony just two months and shot only about one hundred specimens all of which were secured because of some special interest we brought home some two hundred and eighty live birds which are now housed in the new york zoological park
once off the single wharf-lined business street of georgetown one is instantly struck by the beauty of the place green trees flowering vines and shrubs are everywhere half hiding the ugly tropical architecture the streets are all wide some with gravel walks down the center shaded with the graceful salmon trees others with central trenches filled with the beautiful victoria regia here a native two species of big tyrant flycatchers are the english sparrows of the city and white-breasted robins palm and silver-beaked tanagers perch on the limbs of trees at one's very window although we were anxious to start on our first expedition into the bush as the primeval forests of the interior are called yet a week passes very pleasantly in the city itself the street life is a passing pageant full of interest and of the charm of novelty for the northerner carriages roll past in which sit very correctly dressed and typical english women still others are filled with creoles some to all appearances perfectly white others in which the infusion of negro blood is very apparent many of the creole women have a certain languid beauty and a good deal of grace and self-possession the passing of the liveried carriage of the governor causes a ripple of excitement it is five o'clock the fashionable hour for driving and all these equipages are bound for the sea wall where the occupants sit and listen to an excellent band enjoy the sea breeze and chat with their neighbors about the all-important happenings of the social set of georgetown while the pale-faced children dig in the sand or run shrieking with glee from an incoming wave just as do their rosy contemporaries of the north another picture is the coolie in his loose white garments and turban and his sinewy bare brown legs he gazes at you as calmly and as unmoved as though you were not even the lowest coolie bears about him this unconscious dignity of an ancient race and a civilization that was old when we were but beginning the coolie women make a vivid spot of color in our pageant like some glowing tropical flower many of them are beautiful in feature and all are graceful in bearing there never were women who so perfectly understood the art of walking they swing along erect and lithe with a springing step and perfect coordination of every muscle their heavy bracelets and anklets tinkle musically as they move their gay red and yellow and blue scarfs flutter in the breeze the poise of their bodies reflects the perfect calm and repose of their smooth brown faces what an antithesis these are to the ponderous old black women who are striding along with bedraggled skirts gathered up in a roll around their massive waists they are untidy and slatternly in dress heavy and awkward in movement in comparison with the straight slim coolie women they are full of loud laughter and talk and song at every street corner they gather in friendly jovial groups while the coolie women are strangely silent and reserved 
no wonder that these two races so hate and scorn one another for in temperament they are as far apart as the poles the british guiana blacks were to us an unending source of interest and amusement they were always courteous and kind and most original even when swearing at each other their manner was always polite and each anathema ended with a civil sir their dialect was at first very difficult to understand but when our ears became familiar with it we found it singularly attractive all the a's are broad even in such words as bad and man while the intonation is indescribable the verbs in a sentence being always emphasized and given a slight rising inflection as for example i have been to burbisi an interrogation is often not at all indicated by the form of a question but merely by the rising inflection as these are nice the general effect of their speech is very musical and distinctive intonation always the irrepressible spirit of the black rises serenely above all the vicissitudes of life a black woman from arakaka was sentenced to a month in jail upon her return she was welcomed by a crowd of friends all eager to hear something of that mysterious jail to which none of them were sure they might not some day go to their questions how was it how was it the heroine of the occasion replied with great dignity a child they see i was a lady and they didn't give me the same work as the other prisoners later on a trip down the river the same woman meeting the magistrate who had sentenced her proudly remarked now i travel by myself her only previous experience in traveling having been under the escort of the police many of the blacks have far advanced cases of elephantitis in a five minutes walk one will see a half dozen examples of this deadly disease but it takes more than elephantitis or jail to sadden the volatile spirits of the negro cosmopolitan as is the street pageant of georgetown it is however not so much so as that of port of spain the coolies are even more numerous there than here and in addition to the same sort of english and negro life there is also an american spanish and french element one hears on all sides the pretty french patois and the musical spanish of the south american is a constant delight this large spanish and french population make port of spain a decidedly catholic city and priests and nuns in unfamiliar garbs are always a part of the picture it is very hard for us northerners to realize that the course of a tropical day is much the same the year around here is a georgetown day as we found it in february at five thirty a m it is still dark and the only sound is an occasional raucous crow from the chanticleer soon a subdued murmur of sound is heard and this remains unchanged in volume for some time then the sunrise gun booms in the distance a kiskadee shrieks just outside our window 
a score of others answer him church chimes ring out noisy coolie carts rattle past negroes sing dogs bark an excellent brass band strikes up a two-step and amid all this pandemonium of sound the sun literally leaps above the horizon and instantly fills the world with brilliant color the scene changes like magic there is no dawn or dusk night gives place to day without intermission the temperature morning and evening is about seventy six degrees woven amid all the harsh cries of kiskadees and tanagers is heard the sweet warbling of the little house wrens reminding us of our singers of the north and bubbling over with the same crisp vocal vitality which we hear in early spring in our own country like the morning the tropical day itself is one of extremes the morning dawns fresh and bracing until nine o'clock one walks briskly breathes deeply and can hardly realize that he is at sea level within seven degrees of the equator it is april and may in the calendar of one's feelings then for an hour or two june reigns and finally from eleven to five o'clock in the afternoon it is hot sultry august in the shade however it is always comfortable from three o'clock on we experience the coolness of october and until darkness shuts suddenly down about half past six like the snuffing out of a candle the temperature is perfect the nights are delightfully cool mosquitoes are bad only in the houses and at night one's net is a protection the humidity is high but it is far more bearable than that of a summer in new york city contrary to our visual idea of the tropics the manner of rain in the tropics is peculiar the atmosphere may be ablaze with brilliant sunshine when a slight haze appears in the air and suddenly one realizes that a fine gentle rain is falling this may cease as imperceptibly as it began or increase to a terrific downpour to give place perhaps a few minutes later to the clear tropic glare again end of part one of chapter four